Hey, welcome to the Night Church Podcast, where we meet every Friday evening for worship at the Loma Linda University Church for young adults by young adults. We hope this encourages you and someone else you know. Enjoy. Well, you know, as part of this weekend, I want to share with you that there are several things that I think are so important. If we talk about mental health, one of the most important things is having a sense of belonging. Three important needs of young adults today are not only a sense of belonging, but identity and purpose. And when we talk about this mental health awareness weekend, I want to teach you something that I think will really set you apart from others, and that is to empower you with the ability to create belonging, an ability to create what we have here. Now, you might be part of another church ministry. Uh, You might be part of another state where you're just visiting for this weekend for graduation, for friends and other people that you're here for. Or this might be your local home, this might be your church, and you're wondering, Pastor, why are you talking about this, this topic right now? Because I think you are conduits of building something more. And so this evening, right now, I'm going to do a presentation. I'm invited to speak in different places on actually what we're doing here at Praxis. Our North American division looks at us as kind of a keystone church that's doing something well for young adults. And so I get to share this in other places, but I've never shared some of these things here. And over this next year, as I'm graduating, actually in a couple weeks, thank God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. My wife wished it would have been like years ago that I finished, but that's all right. That's all right. All in God's timing. That's all right. But over this next year, I want to share more and more with you about what it means to really build thriving spaces with young adults. And so tonight is going to be more of a lecture, a presentation that I hope would inspire you to do something for the kingdom. And then tomorrow morning at the anthem service, I'm going to preach a sermon on the assignment that this is building from. And so it's kind of a two-part experience that you're going to have tonight. And so the idea is growing a young adult ministry, creating a healthy ministry that young adults love and can prosper in. You might want to take some notes down as we talk here this evening. But the thing is, I'm not talking about numbers this, tonight. I'm not talking about building big groups of people and, wow, there's so many young adults here. I'm talking about building a healthy church. It's a big difference. A lot of times, church leaders and pastors and even young adults are looking for places. Where are there a lot of them there? Instead of asking where are there a lot of them there, where is there a healthy group of them there? Where is a healthy group of young believers where they're thriving in Jesus and on mission for the kingdom? That's a big difference. And that's what some church pastors and leaders forget. It's not about building something big. Praise God that we have a little bit larger group of community here. But that's not what it's about. It's about you becoming the healthiest church possible. The ecclesia, the Greek version version of the word church it literally broken down just simply means the people of God and so we want to have the healthiest group of people possible so how do we build a healthy one of that well there's a few things I need you to remember 
to always remember in the introduction that I'm going to share with you right now. And that's this. When we talk about growth, God is the initiator of growth. There's a lot that you and I can do, yes, but in the beginning stages of all this, God is the initiator of that. We have a lot of scripture that backs us up on that. Let me just share three simple ones with you. First is 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7. This was the example when Paul was talking, hey, listen, Apollos is going to water, but who's going to grow it? God is going to grow those people that Apollos is nurturing, that Barnabas is ministering to. But it's in the end, God is growing them. Philippians 1.6, he who began a good work in us will complete it. Who's completing? Who's doing the growing? It's God. He doesn't leave you where you're at. Some of you are like, bro, I feel like I keep failing at the same thing over and over. Is there a sin in your life that you just keep struggling with? Don't worry. God's not done growing in you. And the same thing with the church. If a church is unhealthy, God is not going to leave that church in an unhealthy space because he's the initiator of growth, the sustainer of growth, and the one who completes growth. Last thing, 1 Thessalonians 4, 12 through 13, may the Lord increase and strengthen. He's talking about how he strengthens a community and love and fellowship. God does the growing. It's God. So when some people want to say, wow, look at this church that they did all these things. Eh, bro, do you realize if God wasn't faithful to grow a place, it wouldn't. It's him first and foremost. So now the other thing to realize is there is no single key to growth. People say, oh man, it's because they got lit in worship. I mean, did you see Laya and Joe on stage? Wow, if we had a couple like that, we would be doing just fine. No, 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 no. Wow, did you see those people, how cool they looked up there? Wow, if I only had a young adult pastor. Wow, if I only had, a, you know, $10,000, $15,000, I could do something. Mm -mm -mm. It's not about the factors, the many, that once, oh man, it's that, that's it, that's, that's the thing. It isn't like that. When we think about other ideas then well then what is it well let me just tell you this first off to set the foundation there is an eternal message of the gospel that must always remain it can't change the times change people start talking about certain ways that well culture and society is changing and the church better change along with it and i tell you absolutely the church should change with it but not change its message, but the methods of how you reach people absolutely should change. Listen, I'm not standing here in robes like in Jesus' time. Why? Stuff's changed. If I did stand in here with robes and dresses all the time, you'd be asking some questions. <laughs> Times have changed. And so it's okay for the church to change its methods, but its message can't ever change. That is a foundational element. So when pastors and leaders want to just start saying, well, maybe we should consider, bro, consider what? Consider reading your Bible more faithfully. Consider teaching his word more deeply. Consider inspiring people with the tough teachings of, of Christ. That's what gets people excited, 
not for you to always be trying to accommodate the kingdom to culture. Okay, I'm sorry. I, I said I wasn't going to preach. I was going to lecture. Dang, man, I, I got it going. So now, I want you to take a moment, a couple minutes, just to talk to people around you, okay? I'm going to ask you to just think about two questions. You can pick which one you want to talk about. Two minutes. Spend a minute each person. Is growth actually possible in the world that we're living in? Is it actually possible? I mean, there's so much going on. There's so many distractions. Young people seem to be going, come on, is it actually possible? Or you can talk about what makes a church grow itself, okay? So take a moment right now. Turn to the person next to you, and I want you just to talk to them about this. And some of you might be like, bro, I'm still trying to orient here. I don't know what he's doing. So just talk about whatever comes to your mind. So do that now, just for a moment. Those of you watching, wherever you're at, we love you guys. I hope you talk about this right now and think about it too. Closing thoughts. Okay. Here we go. Coming back in. I want to tell you a story. I want to tell you a story. My dad and mom were at a park just uh, about a, a little over a year ago. They're in near their community where they live. And there at the park, they saw a young adult who was reading his Bible. He was in his late 20s. And or early 30s actually, and he was reading his Bible and, you know, a pastor and a pastor's wife, seeing somebody reading a Bible, it's like a bear to honey. It's like, whoa, what's that? Someone's reading their Bible? So my mom comes up to him and she's like, are you reading your Bible? She knew he was reading the Bible. Are you reading your Bible? I, I am. And so my mom then looks at my dad, Rade, he's reading a Bible. This is the clue. Hey, get in there. Go do your thing. And so my dad comes in. He's like, oh, my goodness. You read, tell me about it. What are you reading? What's interesting? It's like Philip and the eunuch. He's overhearing the eunuch speaking, and he's like, do you understand what you're reading? So sure enough, that's what my dad did. Then one thing leads to another. My dad gets his phone number. The guy gives it to him, and they meet up for a Bible study the next week. That one little Bible study leads to another Bible study, another Bible study. My dad meets his fiancée, meets the kids. Nine months ago, Josh and Rebecca were baptized in our church. Wow. Amazing. Now, I share that with you, not to get any accolade myself, but just simply, is church growth possible? Absolutely. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of, are you willing to see with God's eyes the harvest that's plentiful? Are you willing to open your eyes up to realize that your neighbors, your colleagues, your people at work, man, they're hurting? Do you have eyes to notice the needs of those around you? 
most of us are kind of in the selfish circle. We're just thinking about me, me, me. Bro, I need a girl. I need a job. I need a car. I need something. I need a need, 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 need. Just me, me, me. Bro, it's not about you. Life is not just about you. I remember back in eighth grade, ninth grade, sorry, I was given an assignment. The assignment was write an essay, it's not about you. What the? It's not about you. That was a perfect assignment for a high school punk. That was perfect. And I wrote on that. But that stuck with me because I realized most of us stay in our heads just thinking about us. How do people look at me? Is my breath sting? Is my hair okay? Do I look good? What about me? Am I... But the kingdom is a reorienting of the eyes to see with God's eyes the world around you. So is church growth possible? It absolutely is. Here are a couple of verses I want you to just capture. Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. I will build my church. Matthew 28, 18 to 20, the Great Commission. All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me, and I'm with you to the end of the age. God's going to be with us to build his church. I love how Ellen White puts this, these two quotes. They're so good. Christ Object Lessons. When we give ourselves wholly to God and in our work follow his directions, he makes himself responsible for its accomplishment. God makes himself responsible for it. He just needs you and I to be willing to do something. Not once should we even think of failure. We are to cooperate with the one who knows no failure. It's just about how big are you willing to risk for the kingdom? How big are you willing to go? Most of us take, uh, I'll just say hot. Uh, bro, God wants you to plant a church. Every single one of you should be church planters. I'm excited for, I'm hearing more and more about people saying, hey, listen, I'm gathering a group of people in my house. People are coming. We're studying the word. We're growing in faith. Man, that's what you should be doing. You should be leading people in baptism. You should be leading people in change, in life transformation. You should be helping people get away from addiction. Bro, you should be starting nonprofits. You should be going around the world fundraising for big causes. Now is the time. It's just a matter of how big do you want to go? Most of us have really low ideals. God, I'm just, bro, I just sit in a pew. Lord, I, I'm just sitting in a pew. What do you expect of me? I expect everything of you. Because who's responsible for the growth? He just needs someone who's willing to do something for the kingdom. But pastor, bro, I got so much going on in my life right now. I'm so busy. I'm so tired. I'm so exhausted. You think I'm not? You think I'm not? I'm exhausted too. We're all tired. But this is the thing. Some of the places and ways in which we're tired are not because God's exhausting us. We're distracted. Bro, these things are killing us. We're Netflixing, social media-ling, Googling. I can't think of anything else. That's all you got. <laughs> we are wasting so much of our time exhausting us mentally and emotionally. We don't know how to rest well, and therefore we don't know how to minister and work for the kingdom well. So I challenge you, is church growth possible? Is building a ministry possible? Absolutely. There's another quote, you can look it up, but it's, 
It's a beautiful one on Christ's method alone, mingling with people, meeting their needs, and God will bless. But every good leader needs to define reality. A famous kind of quote from Max Dupree, leadership emeritus professor at Fuller Theological Seminary. Every leader must define reality. So what is our reality currently? Well, Christianity continues to be the fastest growing religion in the entire world. Islam right behind it. Now, there have been over 26,000 books published on church growth. Church growth movement itself is about 50 years old. And there are over 115 factors that people can use for how do you grow a ministry. 115. So what do I tell you? Do I say, hey, read off 115. This will bless you. This is what's going to make it work. I'm going to narrow it down to three things tonight. I'm so glad that you've been listening to the first part of the sermon. This sort of production does require some financial cost. If you'd like to reach more young adults with this across the world, would you consider giving at praxisministry.org? You can select the Praxis Young Adult Envelope. Enjoy the rest of the sermon. Now, the thing is, though, I want you to build a healthy church. So what's the dilemma? This is our dilemma. Church growth is a mysterious phenomenon. The church in Acts 2, there was mystery, divine blessing, early rain, that it's just like, wow, God, could you do that again here? Could you do that there in Asbury Seminary that just happened this last year? I don't know how many of you know of that, a revival that happened there. Thousands started flocking to this seminary. This is where kind of the early Jesus movement of the early 1970s or late 1960s happened. This went into all of our Adventist universities back in the 1970s. That song, side by side we stand awaiting God's command. You know that? Anyone knows that? That came out of the 1970s there at a revival at Andrews University. That song was written by one of my professors. These are movements of God's people doing something great for the kingdom. But the dilemma is that sometimes it is a mystery in how it happens. It can't be predictable always. And it's a paradox to some, some level. So now the thing I want you to remember is this though. God's blessings are to grow the church, but that's also a curse for us. Because something that we're great at is to baptize someone, put them in the water, Yes, hallelujah, take a picture, post it on social media, send the numbers to the conference. You see how much this church is growing? And then you ask them, okay now, so, so where is that person a year from now? I haven't seen them. Did you see them? Uh, I saw them when I dunked them, but I don't know now. Exactly, that's the problem. The blessing is we grow the church by our own efforts, and then we don't sustain the church by our own efforts we're not using god's methods to grow and disciple people in the kingdom discipleship as jesus did is a slow process you journey with people over time you spend time with them they go to your home they're they're part of your life except a lot of us have closed circles hey i got my friends bro i got my crew i ain't inviting her 
Why are we going to invite him? He's always weird asking those questions. Man, he always looks at us funny. Man, he smells. She's so strange. Oh, my goodness. Come on. We have all these dumb ways in which we talk about people, excluding them from our circle of relationship. God needs you to open up your circles to disciple people. God's willing to bring gifts into every church, every small group, every meeting of friends. But how many of us are willing to open up that circle a little bit to invite that person in? Someone might have invited you here tonight. I hope that person keeps inviting you. I hope they invite you into other spaces. I hope others around here would continue to invite you. I hope we continue to do that. But also, every young adult has to take ownership to seek out those spaces. It's not always about other people. Sometimes people say, oh, those people at that church, bro, they're, they're so stuck up, you know. Yeah, it's also about you taking some effort to get plugged in. It's not always a blame game. So, what's our reality in the Adventist church? Let me show you a statistic. This was an amazing, unfortunate discovery by David Trim, Dr. David Trim of the Archives and Statistics Department there at the General Conference. There and some years ago, I heard this live. There he's talking, praising God for over the last 50 years, we've baptized 37 million Seventh-day Adventists. And then in the same breath, he says, but unfortunately, a third of all those have either stopped attending or have become inactive and we don't know where they are. And of that one third, that one third was about 16 million people, by the way. Of that one third, two thirds of all those are young adults. Your age. I just kind of crossed that threshold. I'm 36. <laughs> Not me anymore. Young adults are the ones walking out. And now some of us are going to ask, well, well, Pastor, why do people leave the church? And well, what's wrong with the church today? Why would they do that? And that's exactly what I want you to talk about. Take another minute and turn to some people around you. And I want you to ask each other, why are people leaving? Why do they go? Or maybe, what's wrong with the church? Why don't people stay? Turn to someone next to you just for one quick minute and talk to someone about that. Those of you watching online, you can do the same thing. Think in your head, why are people leaving? Where are they going? Why do they step out of the church? So take a moment to do that right now while you're here. Closing thoughts. Closing thoughts. I want you to talk about that some more later on, but I want to now move on to, out of those 115 factors, I want to share with you three factors that I believe will help you grow a church, grow a young adult ministry. 
Okay, just on a brief scale, I want you to see these three. Lay a spiritual foundation. That means a relationship with God and each other is key to beginning well. Number two factor, healthy churches are built with purpose. Purpose. You might understand why, you have to know why you exist with clarity. Number three, young people must be the focus of that renewal. Healthy churches focus on this generation to help all generations. Okay, so let's look at essential factor number one, spiritual foundations. People want to talk about, hey, let's bring in some lights, let's hip up the music, let's get some smoke coming in, let's get some beautiful ladies up on the stage, let's make sure the guys welcoming are the buff ones, you know, you got to put the aesthetics, like the graphics and the social media, bro, what you doing with that? Non-essential. If you don't start building your ministry on Jesus, on the rock, the storms will come. And what's the Bible say in that little song? Come on. House built on sand falls. It doesn't stand. Those non-essentials are sand if it doesn't start with a firm foundation on Christ his word, spirituality, that's got to be central. If you come to a church where someone is, is just giving you fluff, you're going to only stay there for so long. But the music's great. But they got cute girls there. You'll be there for a little bit. But if you're a deeply spiritual person, you can't stay there. That's the thing. We have to start building with the first building block, spirituality. A relationship with God and each other is the foundation for building a growing community. So we have to teach people spiritual disciplines and rhythms that form them in Christ. We have to help people have loving relationships with each other. You know that huge and horrible statistic you just saw? 63% of those that left were young adults. You want to know the major reasons why they left? Relationship issues with each other. It wasn't because they disagreed with doctrine. Ooh, the Sabbath, that's awful. Why would I take a day of rest? No, 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 come on. It was because a church member cursed them out. And you're like, bro, why are you being... That's so hypocritical. It is. Marital issues. The pastors being critical. This issue, this issue with that person. Families breaking apart. It's relationship issues. So our spiritual foundation begins with Christ and one another. It has to start with that. The work of the Holy Spirit is to transform people. Galatians 4.19, until Christ is formed in you. That is the goal of the church community. So if you're part of a community where Christ is not central to it, you're not part of a really a Jesus movement. You're part of some human created entity that's out there for cool kicks. John 15, 4 through 16, a beautiful chapter. It's about being connected to the vine, the source of strength. So sanctification with God and sanctification with others. Sanctification, a big, huge word, but it simply in essence means it's the power of growing deeper, becoming more like Christ. So you need sanctification with God, becoming more like Him 
with God in, in essence, but also with each other. I love this quote by Ellen White in the Ministry of Healing. Cultivate the habit of speaking well of others. Dwell upon the good qualities of those with whom you associate. By dwelling upon the faults of others, we are changed into the same image. But by beholding Jesus in his love, we become in his image. I do not like when people get to Sabbath lunch and the first thing out of their mouth is, man, I did not like. What didn't you like? Your shoes because they were messy? Or you're about to be critical about someone that was on the stage or someone that was there or just the people of God or the pastor or the worship? That is not the end goal of every Sabbath lunch. It shouldn't be to break everything down. Well, I didn't like Man, don't invite me to your lunch and make fun of me. So now I want to ask you just to think about this one in your head. How can you help your church grow more spiritually connected to God and with each other? How can you do that? Not how can someone else do that. I want you to take a hot 30 seconds and think about this. How can you help the church grow spiritually to God and others? How can you do that in your own strength? What are some ideas that you have? Just take 30 seconds. Don't talk to anybody. Just think about it. right essential factor number two healthy ministries to young adults are built with purpose they're built with purpose you have to strategically think about things i love this bible verse first corinthians 3 10 to 11 according to the grace of god given to me like a skilled master builder i laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it let each one take care how they build upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid on Christ Jesus. you got to strategically, thoughtfully build a ministry. It can't just be happenstance. It has to be strategic. So how do you build with purpose? Okay, first thing is you have to define why you exist as a church ministry. And why you're a Seventh-day Adventist at that? That's an, a secondary but really important question too. Some of you are still living off the faith of mom and dad. You're young adults and you're still living off, well, they went to church here, so I'm going to go to church here. Bro, that's, that is so childish. You've got to know what you believe at this point. I know I'm being a little bit hard and critical. Some of you are like, bro, I just came here for a nice time tonight. I know, sorry. It's the wrong guy you came to listen to. But you've got to take a moment right now to actually understand, number one, why are you a Christian? Why do you believe in God? Why does he exist? And secondly, why are you part of a Seventh-day Adventist church and community? That has to be essential to your understanding of your foundation. So building with purpose begins with you and then your ministry. Why do you exist? Define it with clarity. Who are you trying to reach? Why are you trying to reach them? When you clarify that church vision, you clarify 
what you're not going to be doing. Well, pastor, we'd like to build a children's program, but you're a young adult minister. But pastor, we would like to do this one thing overall. You're a young adult ministry. Are you reaching young adults with what you're doing? Well, okay. Thank you. That clarified what we needed to do. The other thing is knowing that when you build with purpose, you have to know what's God's purpose and clarity for building the church. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. If your ministry is not seeking and saving the lost, you're not doing kingdom ministry. If one of your goals within that is not to disciple people closer to Jesus, you're missing out on something. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, my will is to accomplish his work, the work of Jesus. I love this statistic by Wynn Arn. He surveyed over a thousand churches and he asked them a simple, simple question. What's the purpose of your church? 89% of church members said the church exists for me and my needs. 90% of pastors says the purpose of our church is for the community. That disconnect is powerful. It doesn't bridge the church together. It bridges you further apart because the pastor's trying to reach out and the church is like, no, you need to do stuff for us. doesn't work. Last thing I want to share with you is the third essential factor is now that you've built a spiritual foundation, now that you have a purpose, now every church ministry should be focusing on young adults. Why? You're like, wow, now it's about us? It is now. Because this is the group that's leaving. If I can ask you for a real life example for a moment, can I have the four of you stand up right here? You four. Okay? You four stand up. Yeah, hermana, you too. The statistic is real. The reality is that Alexis is going to leave. You can sit down. And Leela's going to get discouraged. You can sit down. Dennis is going to get frustrated with the pastor. He's going to sit down. No, he will stay, okay. <laughs> but Tristan will remain. That's where we're at. There you go, bro. <laughs> I know you all are staying. That was just an example. Hallelujah. <laughs> but you see, that's the thing. Churches right now need to focus on young adults because the statistic is the reality of where we're at. This is the group that's going. And so churches have to have an eye, a key eye on young adults. You know why I love this place? Our senior pastor for the past 23 years, Randy Roberts, has been championing championing young adults as the focus of ministry at this church. He has found money. He has found pastors. He has changed the way we do stuff. Why? For the sake of young adults. And our congregation is incredible in what they've done. Our elder community said, you know, for the sake of young adults, we will move out of the entire sanctuary 10 years ago so that our young adults can come in there to do their service. And we'll go to this far off corner on the campus to, do, to help them. I mean, you're talking about hundreds of people that have been changing the way they do in ministry for like 15, 20 years. Why? For the sake of the younger generations. That's what you have to do if you're going to really push to the next level. And so this is one of the beautiful things that I've been working on for the last seven years, literally, is this 
initiative called Growing Young. It came out of Fuller Seminary, and they found six essential commitments of churches that are thriving with young adults. I'm just going to name them off to you. I encourage you to go buy the book if you've never read it. It's incredible. I'll share a little bit more about it later, but these churches have keychain leadership, a leadership that says, I'm not keeping the keys to leadership to me. I'm going to give them off to someone, a younger person. These churches value warm community. Instead of cold relationships, they actually care to connect deeply with them. They empathize with today's young people, realizing, listen, it's not the way things were 50 years ago. Now your world has changed. I can't keep telling you, well, when I was old, younger age, I, uh, no, bro, it's not anymore like that. The story's changed. Life's different. And so these churches understand they have to empathize with. Fourthly, they take Jesus's message seriously. These churches are not about a simple watered-down gospel. And they prioritize young people and families everywhere in all the different ministries. They're not just in the young adult ministry. They're elders. They're part of the pastoral team. They're on the worship team. They're teaching Sabbath schools all over. They're all over the place. And lastly, they are the best neighbors. They love their communities well. They serve in outreach, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in real practical ways. So now, what are some basic ministry components to actually start a young adult ministry. Here are just a few basic ones that I've outlined, and that is you first have to build trust. Build trust with the few young adults that you have. Might be hanging out with them, taking them to coffee, going to the shop, sitting there for lunch, just building trust. And then start smaller. People say, well, let's start a big thing. Just start smaller. Small group. Come to our home. Come visit us. We'll feed you. We'll have a, a hangout, a Bible study here. And then after that, then you create a larger gathering, a spot where all the smaller communities can worship Jesus together. And then you want to practice in-reach and outreach. In-reach are the socials, those social gaps. And then you want to look out into the community, blessing everyone around. And then, as I tell everyone on our team, delegate, delegate, delegate. Do not steal people's jobs. What do I mean by that? Everyone needs to feel part of the church. Everyone needs a job to do. Every single one of you out here should have a job. Every single one of you. If you do not have a job and you want one at this church, come talk to me. Not saying you're going to get paid for it, but you're going to have a job to do. And then you want to be praying to the Lord of the harvest that he would keep sending laborers to help you to reach all these hundreds and thousands that you can reach leave you with this quote here. God will have men and women who will venture anything and everything to save souls and to forward the truth of God in the dark as well as in the light. God calls for men and women of nerve, of hope, faith, and endurance to work to the point to save souls. Man, that is your calling. And so there's this reality that there is God's work, but there's also your work to do. God's work is that he, plant, he called Apollos to, to water, and he will grow it. But your call is this, as it says in Selected Messages, when divine power is combined with human effort, the work will spread like fire in the stubble. When you and God come together, man, there's nothing that you can't do. Jesus, bless my friends. Some of them are only here for one more weekend. And God, I want them to know how to build an incredible community. 
Some of them are staying here and that you've planted them here. And so Jesus, my prayer is you would inspire them how to build even bigger things here in this place where you've called them to be. But God, I pray that no one would leave this place thinking they can just come and attend and walk away with nothing to do. For the harvest is plenty. So many are yearning for salvation to know of a God who loves them and cares for them and is compassionate towards them. And so, Jesus, my prayer is that you would baptize my friends with an evangelistic power to do for the kingdom, but only after they've plugged into you. Jesus, today and tonight, I just pray for the forgiveness of sins and that you would shower us with your grace. May we sense and know a God that's for us and not against us. Lord, you are so good. So God, today I pray, if anyone felt in their heart a stirring, a stirring to do something for the kingdom, to be part of something bigger, to take part in the church work of leading people to Jesus, if that's you here today, if you sense any call in your heart, would you just raise your hand? Would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Thank you, friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Night Church Podcast. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon. And if you have, Maybe you can share this with a friend. If you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow us on social media at Praxis Ministry or come visit us in Loma Linda on a Friday evening. We'll see you in the next episode.